Welcome to the Local Legends in Running podcast, where you hear the stories from local legends of Australian running that you've simply always wanted to hear. Today in episode 12, I interview Brisbane runner, Drew Williams. Drew has been a very competitive distance runner over the past 10 years. His major achievements include a first place at the GC15 in 2021, and in 2014, he was second to Brisbane Sea to South, second in Moolabar Twilight 5K, and third at the Queensland State Cross Country Championships. Amongst all of Drew's running highlights and peaks, he has most definitely had his challenges. At the end of 2014, Drew was diagnosed with bursitis after an overuse injury to his Achilles. Consequently, this led to multiple operations and several years without even being able to run. Instead, Drew found multiple ways to cross-train and eventually in an interview, shares his love and advice for cross-training these days amongst his weekly running. So tune in for some fantastic training and racing advice and to hear of the rollercoaster running life of one of Brisbane's great runners. Hey Drew, how you going? Yeah, good. You? Yeah, fantastic. Yeah, I've got a um, puffer on today. It's a bit cold for midday in Brisbane. Yeah, it is. Yeah, rain expected as well. Yeah, it's uh, on its way, isn't it? I'm a bit concerned about the weekend with uh, Gold Coast, but you can't can't change the weather. Yeah, we're all in the same boat. Yeah, how are you doing the um, half there? Uh, I am, yeah. It's, um, yep. Half Gold Coast and then Fort Sunshine Coast. Yeah, right. So tell me, will you beat uh, Chris Littlejohn in the half marathon? He's been doing some secret training. Oh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how to answer this one. No, I'm, I think so. I'll, um, I'll chat to him in the morning. We're uh, running in the morning. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, he's running well at the moment. But yeah, he's moved to the Gold Coast and yeah, he seemed to have found some great places down there to run. Um, where are yeah. you based at the moment? Where are you living? You're in Windsor? Um, uh, I'm in Windsor, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so how does um, that work with training with Chris then? Um, look, we probably only run together once a month. Um, we just message each other online and just work out our schedules and then, you know, just um, usually jog Thursdays. So, yeah, yeah or okay. I come down to the Gold Coast. Yeah, 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 rightio. Hey, um, your uh, Noosa run the other month was was a good one and I didn't I hadn't realised until I've seen, I think, an Instagram photo of you at uh, the Lonnie 10. Was that correct? Yeah, that's right. So how do you go in both of those? I believe the 10K was the PB, wasn't it? Uh, the ten at Lawn System was a PB, yeah, by uh, twenty seconds, uh, so yeah. thirty-one ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Enjoy that. Yeah, it was good. Um, good conditions. Uh, windy going out. Um, a bit of a tailwind coming home. So, yeah, it was good to uh, run in a group and you know have have a pack to um, hang on to. No, that's great. And pacing was pretty consistent with the winds too, or did it kind of? ebb and flow through the run um it was a bit slow going out and then eventually like a few of us sort of 
kicked home. No one wanted to take it on early to break the wind. Um, but, yeah, we, we kicked home. And what did you come with that time? Um, tw- 24th? 24th, with yeah. 31-10, so a pretty, pretty deep <laughs> field, yeah. Bit, yeah, bit different than Noosa, getting uh, fourth with 31.50. But, um, yeah, just like the depth in, in distance running in Australia is just on another level. Yeah, and that so that Lonnie 10 is probably the strongest in terms of like depth for quicker runners, would you say? Um, even compared to the Gold Coast 10K? Yeah, I, I think people go to Launceston to run a quick 10, um, whereas I see Gold Coast more the half marathon, marathon. Yeah, definitely. And even though it's a bit further away, it seems just seems to be a, a place to just um, take a hit and head down there. And yeah, and like you said, the weather is generally pretty good at that time of year. So was it, was Noosa a PB and then Lonnie a PB or was that, was it, was it a bit off the time at Noosa? No, Noosa was a bit off. Um, I always need a couple of races to get going. Uh, My PB is from 2014, 31.30 down in Sydney, um, Sydney Harbour 10. Um, So it's sort of been a long time coming Um, with COVID and the the lockdowns and 2021, there, there wasn't much on. So yeah, it was good to get to a start line. Yeah, it's great. And, and we'll get chatting to that because I noticed in your PBs and like placings in some of those major fun runs, 2014 was a massive year for you. And yeah, I'm sure yeah. in terms of training, um, nutrition, uh, even age as well, might've been a time of your life where things were peaking, but your running's coming back into it. So I'm looking forward to kind of, get delving into that section between 2014 and now and, and how the running's featuring at this point in time, particularly in the lead-in to the Gold Coast. Um, yeah. But as always with the guests, I'll run through um, how I know them, if, if at all, and then a bit of a yeah. personal and running bio and we get into uh, the story of Drew, how you, how you grew up and how running became part of your life. So, yeah, we'd, we'd met, was this time a year we'd gone for a jog along the Kedron Brook? Was that end of last year? Uh, it would have been end of last year, yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. So, yeah, I remember Chris talking about you coming out with us. He was pretty excited to have um, one of the uh, elite runners of Brisbane to come along with oh. um, some above average runners like myself for a jog and um, yeah. pump your tyres up a bit. But I think it was just a jog, so I didn't get to see, obviously, how uh, – quick you were at that point in time but um yeah so i've only met you once in person and then as per most runners added you on strava pretty quickly and have followed you on there um so i guess in terms of like where where you're living and family and that kind of stuff sort of comes in next what have you got a partner and um and any kids i do um I have a partner, Courtney. Um, yeah, we're currently living together. We've just actually got a dog. So no kids uh, as of yet. But um, yeah, in the near distant future. Does the dog need much care? What kind of dog have you got? Uh, it's King Charles. Uh, it's, it's pretty good. Like I'm more of a cat person, but um, dogs are growing on me. But yeah, it was a early wake up this morning. But uh, aside from that, no, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, right. And what part of Windsor are you in? Are you close to the, the Kedron Brook at all? 
Uh, so I'm about 200, we're about 200 meters away from the track in Grafton Street. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we're not in the high end of winter, the low end, um, as we realised in the floods, but yeah. Yeah, and I've seen this morning, so a few sources tell me you like to do loops over and over in certain areas, particularly runs of uh, longer volume, um, so to speak, as opposed to going from one point to the next round and back, you do a lot of loops generally. And I've noticed that on yeah. Strava this morning. Did your Strava freak out? Was that actually the route of your run? It was crossing like different roads and paths and through buildings. Yeah, it's pretty standard, like a creature of habit. So most of my runs are, are loops on grass. Like uh, as I like get ready for the marathon, I'll run on the road. But yeah, that's um, I cop it a bit from people. I'm surprised there haven't been a few questions coming about that. But yeah, most of my <laughs> runs are just, um, just in circles. Yeah, so is it a tendency to do the same thing over and over or is it like within a small space around your place you like to explore and do something a tiny bit different each time um so we're we live quite a few, a few k away away from kedron brook so yeah there's not a lot of um like grass area or trails to run so windsor parks it and like hence why uh, i guess i run loops and um just bought a place in gordon park so i'll be you know doing some normal loops uh soon on kedron brook um, but my there I run is um, Centenary Pool, just up in Spring Hill, and there's a small grass area there. So um, I train out of there quite a lot. I like to run and then elliptical gym or swim in the one session. Yeah, yeah I've seen your elliptical this morning as well, and we'll get into uh, yeah. to that training and the swimming as well. Yep. So, look, yeah, looking forward to that. Um, and then aside from running, uh, I've got some information from you actually about a few things but yeah you seem seem to be into your music and uh yeah yeah a few music festivals is that, is that something you're still doing I, I assume you're into your 30s now are you still doing that and um how's yeah. that squeezing into the running lifestyle uh look with with COVID um hasn't been much going on yeah. and you know for like EDM like uh, house music, which what I like, you sort of have to travel to Europe or, or the States mm. for that. Um, and my partner and I are just getting our passports, you know, ready to, to head over. Um, but 2018 was the, the last sort of um, four-day festival I went to. But, yeah, it's a uh, pretty big passion, yeah. And if you, so did you get into, running. Oh, yeah. And, but did you get into that? By, have you played any music or done any DJing or anything along those lines? No, nothing, nothing like yeah. that. Yeah, just a listener. Yeah. What's on your playlist at the moment then? If you head out, head out this morning or in the last few days or uh, in the next few days, uh, look, what would be on your playlist? Look, before like a hard, like a hard run, I like um, uh, a bit of T Pain, Little John. Yeah, yeah. And so you're then, playing it prior um, to actually starting the session, you'll pump yourself up or do you have it yeah, in the years during? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm not a morning person, so I need some like, music to get going. So, you know, it's pretty uh, standard mix. Um, I'll start with hip hop and then I'll get to like a uh, DJ called Solomon for anyone, you know, who's um, follows the scene, I guess. Uh, uh, Solomon, Paul Carkenbrenner, 
seven, eight minute songs, but yeah, big, big fan of um, EDM. Yeah, they've gone past my head. I did. I used to be into the uh, festival scene back in the day and, and knew a few more of the like electronic artists. But yeah, for me now, it's uh, a lot of acoustic. I play a bit of guitar. So I, yeah, think, okay. I think with my uh, older age now, I tend to get into more of the, the folky acoustic music. But um, yeah, no, nah, it's cool. And anything else? Um, you've been traveling a bit. I've seen you in your Instagram photos. You've traveled to the world. Yeah, being a teacher, it's, uh, it's a good spot to be in um, and I like to make the most of holidays. So uh, prior to COVID, um, yeah, I travelled a lot, 52 countries, um, wow. mostly mostly through Europe, um, backpacking, um, which I hope still exists. You know, I'm... I'm uh, yeah, yeah, I'm fearing that. In the 30s now. So, I mean, uh, I... Not sure what it looks like. I mean, I've been down to Byron and, um, yeah, it's it's a, it's a different world now. Um, but, yeah, most of my travel was um, Kentucky early on and, and backpacking. And then as I've matured, like, yeah, going over for festivals and, um, yeah, I'll, I'll continue to do that. Like, to me, like, I still enjoy going out and I, I think it's like a – like a healthy thing to do. I've got a, a good relationship with with running and, you know, enjoying a night out. Yeah, that's great. And, and so the travelling and backpacking, was that during or without the, your current partner? Uh, it was without. I was uh, late to the game um, and having a partner. So, yeah, look, a friend and I, when I was 21, um stumbled upon it we started an early beach actually and we just do like a whole week down there for like 20 dollars a night you know it's pretty good um yeah and we discovered you know a new world and yeah we um took it to byron and yeah eventually overseas and i you know introduced some friends to it um like i never enjoyed like the brisbane scene of like fridays or I don't know, like Howard Smith Wharfs now, like I'm not into eating duck eggs or, yeah. you know, sipping cocktails. And for me, like, yeah, backpacking um, is a big part of my life. So, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, and we'll um, get into it further when we come back to that part of the story. Um, my wife's just coming in to grab the car keys. Oh. She's come back, come back for lunch. Normally make her lunch during a work break in the holidays. <laughs> Yeah, so let's get into the um, the running biography, so to speak, because, yeah, 2014 seemed to be a good year for you and you sent through a few placings and results, which really helps me too. And the funny thing was when I searched for Drew Williams in Google, hoping to find a World Athletics profile, I had found a Drew Williams and I was halfway through the Times and then I realised it was an American, Drew Williams, oh, and right. there was like hardly any events on there and more of a sprinter. Okay. And I'm thinking, what's yeah, what's happening here? This can't be the Aussie Drew Williams. Do you have a profile on there or not? Oh, uh, I couldn't tell you. I'm, I'm not sure. You must have been on the cusp of it. Um, but you had a triathlon profile, I think. Was that you or not? Uh, yeah, I've done a few triathlons. It could be me. Again, I don't <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, so in terms of the uh, the placings, you you got first uh, at GC15K last year. And then mm -hmm. 
everything seems to be prior. I guess you've mentioned the fourth at Noosa this year, which was great, just off the podium there. But um, 2014 saw you second at Brisbane City to South, second in the Moolabar Twilight 5K as part of the, the yeah. Moolabar Triathlon Weekend. The Queensland State Cross Country Camps, a third place there. Um, so I've picked, I've picked sort of a handful out of the more major ones. Have I missed any other ones that you consider significant? I know you, did, you went on to the Australian State Cross Country, sorry, Australian Cross Country Champs, but your result probably on paper doesn't look as good as the third, does it? Yeah, yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> Any others? Yeah, the backpacking didn't help that one. Um, <laughs> not really. I mean, I've travelled for races. Like, um, I've lived in central Queensland. Like, I started out teaching there, and I've, I've raced um, throughout central Queensland. I've done fun runs here and there. Um, but for the most part, um, like, they're, they're my major results. What about Bridge to Brisbane or any any of the minor twilight runs like UQ or any other runs that we've um, missed? I haven't done Bridge to Brisbane. Seems to fall oh, on okay. like Australian cross country champs. Yeah, right. So it's yeah. around the same around the same time. Um, and yeah, I've won a um, a few in training fun runs. Um, yeah, but I wouldn't call that like a a significant race yeah i was just trying to think of any others um see to see us disappear too and i was disappointed with I that know. i think they weren't making enough money from memory but that was such a great route that it was almost all over brisbane with the highgate hill featuring prominently the only in the 13th k and you finish on the steepest downhill almost too steep yeah. in the 14th k but yeah that was my right. um see to surf wasn't it yeah and who beat you that year? Was it Alistair Stevenson? That's a wild guess from me. It was, yeah. Oh, there you yeah. go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, I did it that year. Um, back then, I was a lot slower too. But I do remember Alistair's win. I've got no memory of second and third, <laughs> even though you were second. But, um, yeah, there you go. So, yeah, in terms of PBs, on the, um, I just want to find out where these were too because these were all 24. 14, uh, 1500, 404, 3K, 838. And then the 5K, was that track or road, 1517? Ah, uh, track, yeah. Yeah, so all track then. Um, so, yeah, where, where were they, QSAC or? Uh, Sydney. My oh. PB over five was in Sydney. Yeah, okay. And the 3K? Uh, Brisbane state champs, so. That would have been QSAC? A few years ago. And the 1500? Yep. Uh, QSAC as well, state 1500 metre final. Yeah. And what sort of placings did you get with those track uh, times? It's a, it's a different era now, but in, in the 3K, um, I was like six. I'm um, in the 15, I was, you know, towards the, towards the back. Um, but it's a different different story now the landscape's changed yeah it has a little bit now i do know a bit coaching at churchy and the kids now 838 it's um it's insane the year 12 is year 11 is a that's a competitive time for 3000 on the track probably wouldn't win you a gps so they're probably yeah. closer to 820 depends on obviously the year but um it just shows again 
that it's quality time, age 38. How old are you happy to share your age in 2014? I'm going to do the maths. Just, just um, hit pause on the podcast for a second. Um, <laughs> from 2014. Um, Eight years ago. Yeah, I was 20. Yeah, I was 24. So, yeah, I wasn't in high school. My high school um, PB over 3K was actually 918. And um, I like to think I got the best out of myself then. So, like, by no means am I, like, a, a natural runner. Yeah, it's 918 in year 12, then 838. Yeah. Um, what, six, seven years later? Yeah, yeah. Pretty significant for three for 3,000. Um, yeah, that's that's great. So what out of those events, what do you think is your strongest or favourite event? Uh, the 10 at the moment, um, stepping up in distance. Uh, for the moment, it's a 10K. Yeah, and has that changed, do you think? When you look at 2014, um, even though 10K doesn't feature, were you, were you more 5K, do you think? Yeah, in 2014, I was more um, 5K, 5K. I was doing more uh, speed work. I was um, sharper. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. looking forward to talking about that. Let's get back to you as a, um, a kid, though, and just looking at where where you grew up and where you may have moved to. Uh, influence on you as a kid in terms of your running with your parents and, and siblings. You care to, care to share a bit more about that? Yeah, sure. So I grew up um, in Banyo, Brisbane's north side. Oh, my suburb. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Good spots. Uh, changed sitting there time. right now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, right. Um, so I've, I grew up in Banyo, um, went to primary school, uh, Nudgee State School, um, spent first few years of high school at um, Earnshaw State College. Yeah, right. And uh, that Banyo I played State rugby high league. Yeah, uh, at the time it was, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, go ahead, rugby league. And then um, like I played rugby league as a kid and, and my parents, you know, um, push that. They're, they're big league uh, supporters. And, but uh, in terms of being a sporty family, um, yeah, our, our focus was on um, like the outdoors, but none of my parents ran or did, or did any endurance uh, activities. Yeah, right. And how many siblings have you got? I've got a brother. Yeah, sure. so, yeah. was he an older or younger and was he into running at all? Uh, he's 25 and no, <laughs> not into running. A um, bit of an age difference. Yeah. I mean, I discovered running through rugby league. Like uh, I played yeah. um, rugby league at uh, a pretty high level as a junior and just found like at the age of 14, I was uh, too small. Uh, so I, then I sort of, moved to the track what were you playing halfback or something um center and fullback yeah right and how much would have your weighed back then compared to now too were you heavier um even in end so, of high school that kind of thing um so i haven't grown since i was 14 i was the <laughs> same um height and i would imagine the same weight at 14 um definitely a man child and yeah i mean 
under 14s was my last year in rugby league. Like under 14s, if you're getting moved to the wing, it's a sign like, you know, you need to step away. Um, you really, really get found out. It's a year when, you know, people catch up growing and um, you've got to be across, like good across all areas. Yeah, I was talking to someone the other day about playing wing in a team. Either you're, I reckon you're either really good on the wing or you're someone they want to hide out there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So no running at all through primary for you? Even, uh, even like... Obviously, you had to do your cross country generally in most schools, cross country yeah. athletic carnivals, but no, like, no rep stuff or anything for you? Um, I went to uh, like Met North trials, like regional trials um, for cross country, and so saw the people at the front who I'd eventually race later on. Um, but no, it was more of a sprinter actually, like when I was 12, around like 12 um six six for a hundred so yeah yeah right i guess i'd class myself as more of a sprinter but, yeah, yeah i wish i had in the league yeah so then were you so you at banyo state high to year 12 when you finished there no um i got expelled when i was 15 and then um yeah it was Lucky enough to um, meet coach at Nudgy Paul Schomburg, who uh, let me train um, with the boys. And I uh, made the jump to Nudgy for grade 11 and 12. Oh, so you went, you went to Nudgy College? Yeah, for year 11 and 12. So how, how on earth did you get expelled from Banyo so high? Um, fighting, yeah. Fighting amongst other things. That was... Uh, that was the last hurdle, you know, fighting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, you seem to have uh, turned things around then. Isn't that yeah. funny? A runner, a runner back in the day being a fighter. Yeah. <laughs> no, look, I mean, it was, it was a different time. Um, I think, yeah, high school years are, high school years are pretty tough. And, um, yeah, running definitely was my saving grace. Um. Yeah, coming from rugby league. Yeah. Yeah, true. And did that, so did it help you academically as well in 11 and 12 to firstly be at Nudgy, but then also the, the running kind of getting you back into the direction you wanted to head? Yeah, definitely. Like I think running for me was a, a big vehicle to get me through high school, number one. And um, further education, university to the point, you know, where I'm at now and um, life without it, I, yeah, couldn't tell you. Like when I was, yeah, 14, 15, um, yeah, I, I was a pretty troubled kid, like shoplifting, stealing cars, like train stations late at night. Yeah, so it was, it was a different world. And then... I eventually found running and it taught me discipline and um, and just persisting at something. Yeah. And that tied yeah. in to academics and eventually came across like in grade 11 and 12, um, the teachers there were really supportive um, to, you know, get me across the line. They sat with me at lunch. Like it definitely didn't come naturally or easy, um, like the academic side of things. So yeah, um, forever grateful 
to, to Nudgy and um, Paul Schomburg, who at the time was the head coach. Yeah, right. So did you finish a few years later after Nick Tui? No, uh, Nick did a three-year senior. So we eventually oh. finished grade 12 in the same year. Oh, right. Yeah, so he, he sent a, um, a question through on Instagram about you taking your shirt off during a, a Met North yeah. cross-country race. Yeah, that, that's right. So you're finishing the um, line and no one knowing what that. school you're from. <laughs> yeah, like I'm sure. Like I remember the races at 12 o'clock in the day and I was wearing shorts and your, your polo short, um, polo shirt, standard sports uniform, and I was overheating and I, I yeah, it just, took it off. I was green, you know, um, I think I was running in football boots at the time. Um, so yeah. And I, I copped that for years, taking my, my shirt off, um, mid race. So how, how many yeah. days would you been shirtless for? Uh, look, it's pretty early on in the piece actually. Uh, oh, really? Yeah. Tell you. Just a uh, grateful, uh, camera phones and phones with cameras weren't around then. So, so yeah. <laughs> Oh, that's hilarious. So then um, you sort of 10 to 11, 12 then, or particularly 11, 12, being a nudgy. Um, what sort of times were you putting down from memory and did you make any rep teams at that point um, along with the the position that you were, you know, probably a stronger runner at Nudgy itself? Um, so at 15, while I was sure I made the Met North team, like I scraped in um, and then grade... Uh, 11 and 12, um, I, I guess I trained specifically for running and I eventually made Queensland team. In grade 12, I made, uh, I came fifth at um, state titles and that was, yeah, my best result from high school. And then on the track, I ran 918. Um, and I mean, at, at the time, like, that was quite competitive. Um, yeah, and this is what oh, almost 20 years ago. Well, 15, yeah. Looking yeah. What, 16, yeah, 16 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah time's flown, hasn't it? Yeah. I'm not much exactly. older than, than you, you myself, but um, yeah, so a few, a few good runs there. And yeah, I definitely recall like recording about close to nine minutes for 3,000 was definitely up there like you were you were state the state runner running nine minutes i reckon it's just the depth has improved there's always a few freaks back then but now it just seems yeah there i think i think that those who don't run like i think we're a nation that the athletes are getting better but maybe the people that aren't active are getting more overweight so it's kind of like polarizing in a way that yeah it is improving but at the other end there's a side of the nation which could definitely improve and affecting our obesity rates. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's a big, you know, divide. Now, um, when you finished Nudgy, where so where did you move to then? And were you were you training with anyone in particular? Um, I didn't have a coach, so when I left Nudgy, I went to uni and I learned to swim. So I was good friends and still are um, with Josh um, Amberger, and I guess he got me into to triathlon. Um, and I, I mean, I joined a high school 
swim swim team and learnt to swim. I mean, in the first years there, like I was on well, my first year there, I struggled to swim 400 metres. Um, it eventually came around and just doing drills and um, the volume in swimming. Um, and I, I bought a bike and, I mean, I trained haphazardly um, for my first two years of uni um, while juggling full-time work and study. And then um, I went out to UQ with some friends and eventually you know, came across uh, Michael Whiting and um, been training under Mike uh, ever since. Yeah, so was that for just running specifically then or triathlon? Um, I transitioned just to running then, yeah. Yeah, so how many, did you do a few triathlons then for a couple of years? Yeah, just uh, locally. And I did like a Malibu couple of, like, or... in, in a state. Yeah, I did Malibu, I did Noosa. Yeah, right. So mm. what's the times we've been down for them? Anything half decent? Uh, from memory, I was just over two hours. I think like 202, 203. Wow. Yeah, that's quick. Um. Yeah, and I did go to yeah the world the age group world champs in one year. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So was running your strongest part of leg of the triathlon, or did the the cycling improve? Like I found, I used to do a few triathlons, but I found my running ironically was not a weakness, but because I was fairly strong at swimming, it was like more rare to be good at swimming. So I'd often come out, come out yeah. of the pretty well and I'd get pushed back a little bit on the bike and then sort of maintain it on the run. Did you find anything similar or were you, was the swimming something that came a bit later for you and that you were developing? No, swimming took a lot of, a lot of time. Yeah. Um, the bike uh, came easy. The, I guess the challenging part was the transitions, you know, like, you're sprinting through transitions, your heart rate spikes, and you know, it um, it zaps your energy. Yeah, those transitions are crazy. Like the the amount of detail you need to put into making it so clean. I remember practicing a few things back in the day, like having your shoes clipped into the bike, ready to yeah. go, jumping on the bike, and then fitting your you know feet into the shoes as you're riding, running with the bike, like your hand on the the uh the saddle pushing it along all those little things which yeah running you don't have that in running do you oh it's too much in it and that's like <laughs> that's why i guess i don't do it now it's just too much too much in it like too much organization it, it can be overbearing <laughs> like the amount of training you're gonna do like the bikes it's i don't know yeah not for me yeah it's a good feeling though finishing triathlons hey like did that did the yeah those in post triathlon endorphins really like you really enjoy that and and you've found that a similar feeling in running like i feel it, like after a swim too like after a good swim sesh you feel you feel really good yeah. don't you there's something about it coming out of the water yeah but yeah. Like, that, i guess that's why that help to swim yeah <laughs> yeah yeah oh it, it is a different feeling swimming um and i guess that's why i continue to do it yeah, and the elliptical as well. Yeah, that's something a bit more new. We'll get we'll get to that shortly. Um, but so what? Was it pretty much the triathlon, like you said, just just too much to 
plan and organize in the week and it just running being a bit more simple or did you have more success in the running then to kind of step away from the triathlon? Um, for me, I, I found with triathlon training, uh, it was just too much and I wasn't enjoying it. I think if you're going to do, do something like, uh, like an endurance event in particular, you need to enjoy it. And I just remember the triathlon, you know, I was training twice a day every day and it just became like a real grind. And yeah, my level of enjoyment um, for the sport dwindled and uh, I just found running, it was, it was simple. Oh, for sure. And was there any part of you that as you were getting better at triathlon, you were kind of thinking like you were getting pretty good at it itself, but maybe not at the level to really make it? Was any part of that a decision to get out of it, even though you were training so hard um, that you were getting good results, but not not at a level to compete openly? Uh, I did compete at, uh, in an open level at Noosa, but I mean, I had goals outside of um, like triathlon and running, you know, I wanted to achieve like at uni, like owning properties. So um, for me, it was good. I had something, you know, else to aim at. Like um, I just found it all consuming um, and I wasn't prepared to go all in. So I, I did triathlon through uni. Um, when I was 21 in my final year of uni, I then um, focused on running and had a structured program. Um, I, whereas in the first three years of studying, um, I just ran haphazardly. Uh, there was no structure to it. Um, I mean, I did do sessions, um, but I, I really didn't know what I was doing. I was self-coached. Yeah, right. And where, so where were you living and training at that point in time? Where were your sessions? So I was living in uh, Banyo. Um, still there, running, still there. Riding. Yeah, yeah. The family, family home? In, uh, yep, yep. I lived at home until I was 21 and then moved to central Queensland. Um, but yeah, I just trained locally um, and from time to time I'd run uh, out at UQ and link up with some, some friends. But um, for the most part, it was, yeah, around Banyo. Probably covered a few similar streets to I do. Um, the Elliott Road yeah. is a great one, isn't it? That long straight road yeah. past the playing fields. I do, yeah. I've done a, often done a mile time trial on there because it's like literally 1.7K. And it's just okay. dead flat. So I've gone out there like at a time where you don't get all the, all the trucks come down there to that industrial area yeah. where the, where yeah. the all in brewery is. So it can be pretty yeah. scary, but yeah, it's perfect. If you get no winds, that is, it's perfect for that just long straight road. But um, so what 18, you hadn't traveled much then 18, 19, 20, did it start in the twenties um, traveling and backpacking? Yeah. So yeah. at, um, 21, beginning teacher, um, uh, one of my best mates, my best mate and I, um, yeah, we had all the time in the world and not a lot of money and uh, we decided to go to Ellie Beach and we uh, discovered, yeah, midweek uh, backpacking. We were the only Australians staying um, at this place and 
yeah, we've had a we've had a ball. Who so who who else stays at Ellie Beach? Are they English or what's the demographic? Oh, look, you get people from everywhere. You get yeah. like uh, Swedes, English, Irish, um, few Americans. Um, I mean, there's been um, even people from Ukraine there. So, I mean, it's a it's a broad mix, and you don't come across many Australians. And I guess that was the the lure for us, you know, um, something a bit different. Yeah, was that so? Was that a long holiday for you then? So you finished it. You did a teaching degree and finished it, and then headed to early. Was it a long holiday? Yeah, we. We did, well, our first stint was two weeks and we didn't even see the reef. I mean, we were just, yeah, going out. Um, and then we came back to Byron. Um, I think, yeah, we did another two weeks in, in Byron. Um, again, didn't see the water. So, yeah, that's, yeah, where it started for me. I mean, I eventually went to Europe. I saw a, I saw a castle here and there. I mean, yeah, the focus, the focus wasn't on that. Um, yeah yeah i didn't do the traveling thing early on like i had i was hardly traveled till about mid-20s and i had a actually my current wife at the time so my traveling generally has been to actually travel and see sites with a bit of um, eating and and uh some nice drinks here and there but yeah i i kind of miss that phase of my life where it's it's almost the just a partying and enjoying the 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 bars and clubs as opposed to all the sites <laughs> yeah i mean it's not for not for everyone i mean i, I know this is a running podcast and typically <laughs> like runners you know they watch what they eat they're getting their eight hours of sleep but you know i always um uh i guess in a sense like the balance but i was also someone um who liked extremes and was all in and that's what sort of backpacking like mm offered that that nightlife um and running did as well but it's sort of something i've come across with runners that it's like a type a personality um where they're quite stringent with like training and, and diet which i can see that it like has its advantages um but being so like anal with yeah with training or preparation can also be a bit of a detriment yeah totally yeah yeah i see that so were you running at all then around in those in that first kind of six months to a year um when you're 21 i post the teaching degree when you were traveling say would you go out for a couple nights and go for a jog or was it literally um just enjoying yourself no that's it like when i was 21 like, like i said I, I met michael whiting and my experiences with coaches was that um, you did a session Tuesday, you did a session Thursday, Saturday, and you did a long run Sunday. And to me doing a session like Saturday and then like two hours on Sunday, like where's, where's the life in that for a young 20 year old, you know, whereas like um, at the, at the time Mike was um, really flexible when, um, he set, you know, me an individual program. He was like ahead of his time. Um, and, you know, he met with me, we, we sat down and he mapped it out. You know, he 
saw that, um, you know, I was eager to run, which I was. Um, but I think as a coach, it's important to be um, flexible and, and treat everyone as individuals, particularly with personalities. Um, and, and Mike saw that to, to get the best out of me, um, that I probably needed, you know, um, a night out here and there. So that's how, that's how it worked. I mean, I, I trained like seriously, religiously um, from 21 and it, yeah, three years it took me to get to that point in, yeah, 2014 to, to get those results. So, I mean, it didn't happen overnight and yes, I went out like a lot um, but I, I think it's possible, you know, we changed around my long run on a Sunday. Um, if I was going out, it'd be like a jog that morning. Yeah, right. So you literally sat with him and, and agreed to the fact that you'd be out late or partying on a certain night and then him, him working around that. Yeah, yep. Um, and like with our squad, like, it's um we've got a great culture you know he he sees everyone uh as individuals and where possible we do train together and do similar um sessions but there's definitely like um an individual component to the training um yeah based on uh variables like people's uh motivation their time um like other commitments, like family. Yeah, it's, it's good, so, isn't it, that, yeah. to have that ability. Um, but would you, so if you went out a Friday night, would you be affected at all on the Sunday for a, for a run or or not? No, it's, it's different now. I think you can bounce back. Like, um, yeah, I would do like, even in 2018, like, yeah, weeks on end of, yeah, going out and... Yeah, I could yeah jog in the morning. Might be able to do like a threshold or something, but um, yeah, not wasn't too bad. Yeah, yeah, right. So then, in twenty fourteen, what what or leading into twenty fourteen, like twenty thirteen, what was your typical? What did the actual training week look like? Um, if you specified that as you're getting closer to all your your PBs and those results in 2014 what did monday to sunday look like so um uh, monday was 60 minutes in the morning 30 minutes in the afternoon um i would do core in the afternoon as well um and then tuesday was a session um usually 5k in volume it might be something like um 10 400s um, and five two hundreds. Wednesday would be the same, similar to Monday. Um, Thursday threshold. Uh, Friday, sixty minutes in the morning, thirty minutes in the afternoon. Um, Saturday session, and then Sunday, hour and a half um, run. And I guess it followed at the time a traditional model of training, um, but. Yeah, I started, yeah, probably progressing that running too quickly. Yeah, and what sort of case was that when you, at the start of this, this um, more specific training until 
2014, were you hitting somewhere between 100 and 130K? Um, so from 2011 to 2014, it went from 70K a week up to that 100, where in 2014, I oh, guess yeah. that's where I went away. Like I still did Mike's program, but I, you know, I was adding a few easier runs in here and there, getting greedy, you know. Um, having quite a bit of success, racing a lot. And that's, yeah, when injury happened and I was running it upwards of 100, 130K a week with no strength work or cross training. Yeah, right. Um, and was the injury in at the end of 2014? Yes, yeah. And that was Achilles, right? Yeah. So was that from running? Was it like an overtime overuse injury or was it the one event it was where, an overuse yeah. yeah overuse injury yeah and so had you had someone determined the cause of that how how that had happened um for the achilles like it can be like simply like um like weak calves putting too much tension um on that Achilles, like it's an overload issue. So, um, and then as well as that, like biomechanically, like I'm not very sound and um, with running assessments, like uh, it sort of showed that that typical volume probably wasn't suited to me. Um, yeah, right. So, so what, and I guess what, hence what's, the, what's the, training. the issue or what was the issue with the the running technique? Literally um, landing more on your on your forefoot and having a lack of strength coupled with lack of strength in the calves. Yeah, um, more so hip strength as well. Um, and overusing hip flexors, um, overstriding as, as well. And I mean changing running technique um i mean it, it's it's a contested issue and, and i mean it's something i looked at but um it's more so uh ironing out the imbalances so for me like in my strength program now it's single leg squats it's isometric holds and body weight um functional movements that are running specific yeah yeah so a bit more detailed now and what what was yeah. the injury actually called? What was the diagnosis at the time? I had a bursitis and yeah, yeah torn Achilles. Now left or right? Uh, it was my right. And so ever since, has it, if you've re-injured it, it's, well, if you've injured something, has it been that or the left one as well? Uh, it's always been the right. And uh, after my third operation, I haven't had any, uh, issues uh with it actually yeah right so what when they operate on it what do they have to do for bursitis so they shave the bone and then they have to move um the achilles off the bone and they have to reattach it wow and that's where the problem lies and so and why do you think it was the right are you right-handed, right-legged? Uh, no, left. Yeah, so that, that can sometimes be like a deficiency 
in one yeah. side or the opposite and and the stronger side like works too hard yeah for it um so and have you got orthotics in there since or has footwear helped as well because of footwear like you 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 didn't have super shoes in 2014 they would have been coming out no a year or so later after that have you found success in new footwear I mean, at the time, I, I, I went down uh, every avenue possible. I saw every physio um, in Brisbane, every second chiropractor, podiatrist, and you get conflicting, you know, um, views. And what initially got me over the line was wearing heel raises in the shoes. Um, like, I guess the highest shoe would be something like a 12 mil drop. But for me, I had to have 40 mils. So four centimeters off the ground, almost running in high shoes. And that's what I found um, helped me transition back to, yeah, even 30 second running. Um, and I mean, that's what got me going. My own like exploration. And then it was, um, going to Steve Manning and adding training and he made me some, some custom shoes that he'd never built like that high before. And yeah, I had four centimeters in these hokers and was doing 30 second, 30 seconds on 30 seconds off eight times. And then eventually progressed. Yeah. Right. They're definitely illegal. Those, those are shoes. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And were yeah, they training yeah. shoes or you didn't race in them, did you? Just training shoes. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, that would have taken the load off the calves, I guess. Um, which is yeah. nowadays too, which as a way can also probably cover up calf strength deficiency. So it's it's probably still important to develop that. But the shoes yeah. are in general a lot higher. And then yeah, the heel toe offset seems to to be higher as well. Um, I do Don the Brooks Ghost, which a 12 mil um, heel drop in him training that is. Yeah. And they seem to do the trick there. And um, yeah, I had similar issues many years ago with shin splints, but I was probably more of a heel striker, but it still, it still seemed to have helped at the time to have that extra cushion when I converted yeah. to the Ghost back then uh, for training anyway. Um, so then, did that did that injury pretty much put a halt to running altogether, or were you did you have a couple of months off and got back into it? Because you're from 2014 to, to the last sort of year, um, I haven't got sort of times through from you that were anywhere near PBs. That's a pretty significant time. That's what eight years. Yeah, eight years. Seven, so eight I guess years, yeah. surgery surgery 2014, and then a year of. Um, yeah, going to physios, surgeons, um, podiatrists to, to find out, you know, what I could do because I wanted to get, obviously, get back to running. Um, and then I had another two operations to remove scar tissue. So uh, scar tissue was the limiting factor for me to get back to running and that range of movement for knee to wall. Um, so I had scar tissue removed um, for the second time unsuccessfully. And then the surgeon told me that we could do it once more, but that was it. You know, like he basically told me I wouldn't run again. He's like, look, you can go under the knife. We can 
do a third operation and try and get this scar tissue out. Um, and luckily it did, like I had more range um, in that ankle, was able to wear those, those shoes with a uh, 40 mil drop. Um, and, and that's how, like, that's how I got back to running. And I know um, it's quite a common injury, uh, Achilles with people. Um, and a lot of people do go down the uh, route of getting operated on and there are risks uh, associated with that. Um, it's important to know that for me, like I never, I never thought I would be three, four years out, out of the game. Yeah. Yeah. So no, no sort of fun runs or competitive running uh, the next few years I, after 2014, just some jogs. No, here and so, there. So from 2014 to 2019, even 2018, 2018, 2019, I didn't even take a step. Like I was running on a mini tramp. Like my housemate would see me in the living room running on a mini, mini tramp to get like range of, range of wow. motion. Um, so I didn't take, didn't take, um, a step uh i swam i did like i cycled yeah. but yeah, yeah no so running you kept and then, pretty fit and lean yeah. through the running and cycling then yeah yeah and actually all out on the roads or on a more of a wind trainer um just out on the road yeah yes and did you get back into that or like were you mentally affected by the lack of running and the frustration of trying to solve the injury at all did swimming and cycling completely compensate for that um it wasn't the same and I, I definitely did i think the hardest part was that first year after the surgery where people have a, a general time frame of when to mm. get back and it, it just wasn't happening with me and you know you're spending your afternoons off taking days off work to to see a specialist um and nothing was getting done and um it's the first sort of, um, I guess, major hurdle that I, I faced. And I didn't realise at the time how important running was and to not even be able to jog, that was tough um, from a physical standpoint, but also like socially, particularly yeah, yeah. in like a running group. Like yeah, you got to find the new crowd. Guys, <laughs> I was 15 and um, yeah, uh, look, and swimming and cycling definitely wasn't the same. Like, I get when people say they have no motivation to, you know, go to the gym or, you know, to to exercise because I was the same. I mean, I tried your, um, like your CrossFit, your F45, and it just, yeah, I did not enjoy it. I, yeah. Yeah, different scene that too, eh? Yeah, yeah, was probably getting um, a bit bigger back then too. It's more of a cult, isn't it? And uh, yeah, different crowds and everything. Cycling, like cycling, can be pretty social. Yeah, but again, um, but that's it. Different. I did so. I guess in 2018, I was at quite a low point. You know, um, I really enjoy, I enjoyed and enjoy my career, um, but I needed a change and. Um, things had come to blows and I had four months off work and I just, I, I backpacked, I traveled around Europe and um, 
yeah, this time I wasn't running and I was just like wondering like what's going to fill that void. Um, I was even looking at you know, opening up a hostel overseas. Like I met people um, who operated like a hostel and was looking at Portugal to open up that because that was, you know, the only real passion I had. Um, and then I came back home and, yeah, I did find cycling. Like I joined a group um, and just ran, rode with some really good guys. Um, yeah, it was social, but then I raced quite competitively. Um, yeah, but, and then like, fortunately I was, yeah, um, lucky enough to get back into running and yeah, here, here I am. Yeah, yeah. So with the cycling, like, were you just were you racing around um, Brisbane, like at um, the Nunda Crit track there and Marie and stuff? Yeah, like yeah, A, A grade. I raced A grade crits, but I was definitely on the back, like <laughs> hanging on. It's like a, it's a different event. It's yeah, and I mean, yeah. it's not too difficult. Like for me, I found bike handling the probably the hardest part yeah but yeah i raced a grade and then did some races on the roads i raced um state championships on the road i got a flat 5k in i was in pretty good um shape for that but yeah like i think a lot of runners think that they can make that transition to cycling um but yeah it is it is very very difficult and it's different yeah um so and spend the, and the, those the crit races too are very much about your your strategy and sprint at the end. Yeah, like it can be. Yeah. I found too when I try to transition and and like you said, had no hope of making it. Uh, I might go back at some point, but um, yeah, actually when I was about to start the crit racing, it COVID had hit. But um, I found like yeah, in terms of holding a good pace in a peloton, the fitness was fine, but. I just get found yeah, out right? at the end yeah. when everyone just sprint off. I'd have no power and speed, no strategy. But that's yeah. the only time I could find I, I could really get the heart rate up to was in a was crit yeah. training. Um, yeah, or going out for a race or then then up hills. But I found solo, like going out yeah. solo on flat did like oh. nothing for my heart rate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and I think too, with the advent of like kickers, like they're great. And that's really good bang for your buck. Like you can do 30 minutes on a kicker and, and it's hard. You know what I mean? There's, mm. there's no wind. It's just you and you can yeah, um, measure your output. Whereas on the road, like so many factors. Yeah. 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 So do you, do you think, do you, so you think the injury with like with the swimming and, and cycling and these other little things like the elliptical have helped really helped yeah. you now with with cross training and managing your running like i've seen you this morning on elliptical is that something you're pretty like a week now for you for training would look yep. a lot different back to 2013 2014 with the cross training like how much of it are you doing that now within um day to day in the week um i would say three hours of cross training maybe eight hours of running yeah yeah so for me like swimming i found out that um hypoxic work like limit limited breathing worked really well for me um like that crossover for running so 
jumping in the pool, breathing every um, three, five or seven strokes. Mm. Yeah. Really, yeah, help my lung capacity. So um, <clears throat> that's where I bring it into. And do you, so, do you use the swimming as a way of getting fitter or is it like an easy day just to move the arms, get the body moving and a way of, of uh, recovering? Are any of these cross-training things something you really smash and get good fitness out of them? Um, I do it on easy days and from swimming, um, some days I do like a heart rate set or it might be like uh, 50 meter intervals uh, on short rest, you know, where I'm not you know, concerned with the amount of times I breathe. Um, and so those heart rate sets are hard. Whereas um, on the elliptical, I only do easy work to supplement the Ks and I find it like works to your, your glute, mm. um, glute and hamstring. Whereas cycling, like I found I was quad dominant, you know, and hip flexors, quads. Um, but yeah, I, I swear by, um, yeah, people I run with know and uh, yeah. Yeah, the thing, the thing that lots of runners struggle with is looking at their Ks for the week and the compromise they may make on the case. So instead of yeah. seeing, say, 100K, they're going to be looking at maybe 70K because those other things have taken over that and just accepting that Yeah. for some people that might work. But, yeah, on paper, the, the actual running time doesn't look as great or doesn't, they're not confident with it being at a lower number. Yeah, I think people have to get away from that idea. You know, uh, it's been ingrained for a lot of um, for a lot of people early on. I think it comes back to the amount of minutes you know um, you train, um, and again, the mechanics of how someone runs. You know, I listen to podcasts on Steve Monaghetti running. You know, one hundred and eighty k week in week out. Like that's great but for us mere mortals like there are going to be imbalances with that we can't recover all day um and you have to look at other avenues to get fitness yeah yeah i definitely think it's um it's an option we can all of us can think of of doing a bit more um so how many k's would you be hitting say this year in preparation for his Gold Coast your major run and how many Ks would you be hitting running wise? Um, 90. Yeah. I mean, I had a week of a hundred um, by accident, by chance. Like I, yeah, but 90 for the most part. Yeah. And then, yeah. Two to three hours of cross training. Um, yeah. And, um, and you've been with uh, distance culture in the last couple of years. How'd, how'd that uh, come about? When did you start with them? So I started um, with business culture. It would have been in 2011. Oh, right. In, uh, yeah, 2010, 2011. Yeah, uh, it was a small group to start with. So it was uh, Michael Whiting. Michael Whiting. Oh, okay. Um, I'm not sure if you're, you're familiar with Mike. No, I'm not, no. Okay, so Mike, uh, he's uh, an AFL journalist actually, but he was uh, um, quite a handy runner himself. Yeah, so he yeah, used to and run. Then, yeah. um, and then uh, I was, yeah, out of the track at, at UQ and 
he was running with another guy, Daryl Crook, and I remembered um, Crookie from school. And then we eventually ran together and Mike took us under his wing and uh, another guy, Matt Carlson, joined. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Matt. Yeah, I, no, I do remember Matt. He disappeared um, pretty quickly a handful of years ago, but I remember him yeah, killing so a bridge to he, Brisbane uh, about five years ago. He's a good friend of mine, and we backpacked together for. Uh, he came on my trip for four months, so he's living in New York now. Um, oh, is he? Yeah, 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 yeah. No wonder he so, disappeared. He reminded me of McSwain a bit, bit taller and a similar running style, like kind of, yeah, kind of the the back the back lifts, the feet don't come up too high, kind of scrambles across, yeah. but absolutely flies yeah. at the same time. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I mean, back to Mike, like Mike, yeah. Um, he, yeah, he had this, like a small group of us, um, who trained and we met at UQ on Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, and then, um, it, it just developed. And I mean, it, it's not a, I mean, it's not a commercial group. It's not one of these groups who are on a runway or getting filmed, you know what I mean? Where he's not out, you know, to make money. His, his goal is to. Um, to get the best out of people. Um, and, yeah, that's that's it. I've been with him since then and I'll run with him forever. Yeah, right. So pretty much, yeah, the good of his heart um, brought the group together. Yep. Um, so so give me some names of who's been running for them on and off. Like I know Liam Woolett, um, who who's been working in and out in training. Is he still there at all? I know he was there for a while. Um, he's been a part uh, he's of He's not. Yeah, so Liam, uh, Liam runs with the group. He's, yeah. uh, he's a big part of it, but he's, uh, he's currently uh, injured um, and he's taken on a full-time job as a physio, but he's uh, <laughs> jogging. He'll be back. He's, yeah, he, had a, he had a good year in, in 2020. Yeah, oh, um, he's such a good runner, yeah. Yeah, but aside from Liam, we've got uh, Chris Bracken. He's run thirty. He's run thirty thirty six for ten k. Um, he was third in uh, Noosa Marathon. He's got a lot left in him. Um, uh, yeah, Daryl Crook, um, myself. Um, oh, there's a bunch of guys. Like, there's people who run, you know, forty one minutes. It's not an exclusive group at all, you know. It again, Mike's interested in um, getting the best uh, out of people. Yeah, definitely. Are they so they're still trained to to date? And are they? Is there a, is there a regime every week that's the same uh, within the group? And how many runners like a with them now at the moment? So we would have 20, um, 20 runners in the group um and i mean we we just have a facebook group and he puts a training up on the um up on our page and that's yeah that's it and it's got individual names of what we're doing and then from there he'll message people he'll he'll call people he'll he'll attend sessions where he can um but again like it's formal but I mean, people probably wouldn't be aware of it because, you know, we're not really out to promote. Like, we've got yeah. race singlets because, you know, we 
we want to like have a team, but we're not about Instagram or yeah, I don't know. So if he's not there, who's running the show? Who who would set the like the scene as you all arrive to a session? Who's who's running it? I mean, people know what they're doing. Like yeah. the, the pro, the session's been set. And I mean, <laughs> you you warm up at this one. We've got a five minute rule. Here you go. All right, what are you doing? What are you doing? And then, yeah, um, Mike comes. He'll he'll look at us run and give us feedback on the session. You know, but um, he he's there for the most part. But um, yeah, it, it's really flexible. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, it's great to have like a group to train with as well like it's consistent for you but then also adding your own stuff in on top of that yeah. and the cross training is any any of the other guys join you for your cross training no um i see a few people are slowly being con- converted but look i like i probably train a lot alone I, I like that like you were saying in the last podcast with uh with Jaden. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's your own time you know what i mean i, I spend yeah. my all my days talking like I don't want to be social all the time, you know? So um, most of the racing is done alone. So I like running alone, it's my own time, you know? It's just... Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's good. It's good to break it up, isn't it? Yeah. You're similar? Um, yeah, I, I would think so. Like it's... For me, I'm not tied to a group anymore because I used to coach my group, the West End Running Group. Um, I've actually never been a part of a group, really. I've just trained, um, like you were saying, haphazardly with different people and and um, here and there, and do a lot of my own stuff. And it's for me being a part of coaching back then and now at Churchy, it gives me flexibility. And I'll run with the boys to at school, so I'm not. I just I have a fear of committing to a group and then letting like letting myself or them down by not being there because of my coaching commitments um and yeah at the moment and also prior and yeah like you said i really enjoy that time to get out there particularly for easy runs i think it's if you can find a group for your quicker stuff you will run quicker when you're chasing yeah people there's some kind of encouragement but if i go to say nudgy the nudgy college track at the moment on a tuesday morning there's like there can be 20 to 40 people there doing all sorts of things. So you don't even have to yep. have a group there. You can just rock up. And I've met so many people there this year by going on a Tuesday morning. Um, yeah. So by all means, anyone who's listening on the north side who's uh, looking for runners, head head there. But I definitely think it's worthwhile to consider for at least them. And then the long runs too, if you can have someone to chat to yep. over that. It's crazy how much quicker time goes when you're chatting to a few mates um yeah yeah but it's fitting it in you know it's like like you were saying um you know committing to a group whereas like with with mike like he doesn't care like he gets it we all get it you know like if you can't make a session that's that's fine like yeah that's it yeah and when you've got a, a kid like or kids just ducking out the the house whenever you can whether it's four in the morning or um yeah mid, mid-morning because they're sleeping and yeah you, know, you feel like a commitment to your your kids as a father then you can work around that yeah. so i've liked the flexibility with that but um anyway i, I was thinking about um something we haven't 
stepped on yet was uh, nutrition. So yeah, we're just getting to the nutrition side of things. Particularly, I want to ask you about um, Gold Coast Half Marathon this weekend, the yeah. half marathon. Now, uh, if you will take a, a gel in that and what you might have uh, in the morning before the run, and then maybe as well in, within training, any uh, nutrition advice that you have? Yeah, sure. Um, look, for the, for the half, um, I, I'll just stick to two pieces of toast um, with honey and um, half banana with a coffee. You know, I, I think for a race, it's an hour and like five to 10 minutes. There's no need to, to take a gel. Um, I think if you're, if you're out there for over an hour and a half, and there is, but um, on the weekend, I won't be um, having a gel. Yeah, so you're looking, you'll be, what, close to an hour, 10 to 12 or something for your half marathon? What's your uh, goal? I'd like to go probably an hour eight. Oh, that quick, uh, hour under, eight. Just wow. under, yeah, under, under 110. So, um, yeah, I like to think under 110. So, yeah, no gels. Yeah, and do you think that's pretty common for the high-level athletes when they're getting sort of sub 115, 110 that they, they won't take the gel? Because the gels are yeah. pretty common in half marathons for, and, you know, for the slower runners, they may have even two of them. But, yeah, I definitely know a few people in the in the 120s plus who are having a gel halfway through. Yeah, I think, like at the elite end, they're so conditioned, they can metabolize fat, you know. Mm. Um, they're, they're trained um, to burn fat that they don't need yeah, carbohydrates, like an yeah. additional carbohydrate in the race. Yeah, definitely. And so then in, in long runs, do you kind of avoid them too to, to train the body to not need them? Uh, I use gels for like uh, longer high intensity intervals. Like if it's like a two by 10 K, yeah, then I'll take a, a gel on board, like early in that first 10 K. Um, or if it's a long run over 90 minutes, I'll, I'll take a gel. So for longer runs or runs that involve uh, high intensities and uh, I, I think it's important to have a gel. Yeah, now you're getting me um, me confused about what I do on the weekend. I'm like so close oh. to not having a gel versus having one, and the fact that by not having it, it takes out that that uh, concern for having any issues in the gut. But then, if you don't have it, that you might yeah. just the energy might dwindle a little bit. At the end, you might not have yeah. what you need. And the thing is, it's too late if you you hit 17, 18 k, and you haven't had it then yeah yeah it's just it's too late but um yeah, it's interesting to hear that um when you're getting sort of closer to that obviously an hour but even an hour 10 hour 15 that some runners are avoiding it yeah i mean it can take up to 45 minutes for that gel to you know be absorbed so that's the point i take across but people can do with do what they're used to you know mm. if you can take on if you can take on a gel and not have an upset stomach then i think that's fine yeah yeah totally yeah what works for you i guess and what about in the um 
in the week. Are you pretty similar with that before a before a session? Like your training mornings, would you have would you have a similar brekkie on a session in the morning? Yeah, same. Yeah, yeah, I'll join you with that. Yeah. To- toast, banana, yeah. and black coffee. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a good combination because you're getting you're getting like the um, what do they call them? Just like slow acting carbs through the bread, but then you're getting sugars through the honey, banana, and then some caffeine yeah. with the coffee. But you, so you reckon, so the race is, it's 6am, isn't it? On Saturday? Yep. Yeah. What time will you wake up then? Uh, I'm up pretty much 4.35 any morning. So yeah, 4.30, I'll be up. Yeah. And coffee do you, in hand. no delay on the, so get it into you straight away. No delay, like no market around because um, if you leave it half an hour to 45 minutes it's now it's 5 15 and it's getting closer to the race start yeah i, I do it as early as i can yeah. like within probably a two-hour window but um whereas coffee i would have that 30 minutes before you know 30 minutes, oh dear. 30 minutes before i warm up so yeah Oh, yeah. right. So you delay that. Yeah, I've heard I've heard different things with that. Kai Robinson in the first, very first episode on the podcast spoke about having it almost three hours prior. But um, he's a pretty bright right. kid. He was talking about the fact that it acts on you for longer than we often think for hours and hours after it. Um, I definitely feel like you feel the sense of it within that first, um, even first 10 minutes of having a coffee. Yeah. Can, you can feel it, but yeah, apparently it stays yeah. in there for a while. So you're, you'll have that pretty much. Where are you staying? Would that be something you have on the commute? Sip on a black coffee on the way to the, the, the Gold Coast half marathon start? Oh, look, 7-Eleven, best coffee in town. <laughs> you can't go wrong if it's black. Be concerned yeah, if it's yeah. a white coffee. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, and you're pretty close to the race start? Yeah, I'm at Southport, yeah. Yeah, I thought, yeah, that's that's a, that's a good thing. I'm down at Kira, so I've got a half an hour um, commute on the morning. Um, and then, yeah, anything else in the week? Do you, are you generally eating higher carbs as well? Like, do you eat a fair bit of bread, pasta, rice uh, through, through your, your training days? Yeah, for sure. Um, particularly at dinner. Um, I like to have a lot of uh, carbs uh, the night before. But um, as well as that, like block of chocolate most nights as, as well. Um, <laughs> Whole block. Caramel. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, so. There you go, people. You can stay as lean as Drew and have a whole block of chocolate, apparently. That's a lot yeah. of chocolate. Yeah, yeah. And do you reckon there's benefit in eating the, the night before, right? Do you reckon there's benefit eating later? So the stomach's more like the the how do i how do i kind of word this that like you're getting the energy at the right time as opposed to having dinner like at five or six have it at like eight yeah i think so like i think if you have dinner at uh, say at six and then if you're not eating until like five that next morning that's only 12 hours of no yeah. food Whereas if you have it at say eight or something, and then you're up at four, that's a, it's a, it's a shorter window. Yeah, yeah. Or you have like a, yeah, snack later on, like some um, some oats or muesli, 
could be a good yeah. one. Or, or you're having yeah. the to- you're having yeah. double up on the toast. Have a toast later, maybe if you're eating yeah. five or six. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm no nutritionist. I did do an actual a course back in the day in uni with nutrition many years ago, but yeah. Yeah, I think there's something about that, having it a bit later. Um, yeah, might, yeah. might just be mental, but f- the feeling of feeling full when you go into bed and, yeah, letting it digest through the night. Yeah. And what about the mental prep? How do you, how do you prepare, say, for Gold Coast? Like, yeah. there's a bit going on at the moment because, it, you know, it's been cancelled the last two years, for starters. Um, there's rain on the uh, forecast as of yeah thursday night friday morning basically and then you got a job to be going to um and you got a partner dog all these external factors do you do you just try and engage in the day-to-day operations of life until you get to the the race knowing that you've got a plan and your training's been pretty consistent in preparation for the event yeah i I think the less on your mind the better and Looking at the weather, um, I think doesn't help. You know, we're all in the same we're all in the same boat with the weather. And yeah, you might not run a PB, but you've got to race the race. So, looking or thinking about those external factors doesn't happen. Uh, it's just about being like present in the race. You know, it can be easier said than done, but you know, for a lot of people, they've trained really hard for that event, um, and it's that single-minded focus for however long you have um you know um that that's the approach sort of i take for the race um running rain hail and shine and i guess it's easy to be negative with weather or something's going on like in your personal life um they are reasons they're more than excuses but um with running i think it's just being present for the race yeah, yeah, um, and then so within it too, are you are you more concerned about the process as opposed to possible outcomes? Like a mate of mine asked me if I was nervous for this weekend this morning on Strava, and I said, mate, I don't really get nervous um, this day yeah. and age, being being an adult and in, into my thirties, and now it's really about me. Like I I can control yeah. me, I can't control anyone else, and it's I'm not racing against anyone else. I'm not out there to find Drew Williams when he's, you know, 10 minutes ahead of me. It's really about, for me anyway, trusting the process and the plan and, and just sticking to it. Um, yeah, how do, you, how do you focus on it during and just when you hit that race start? What's the mind doing? I agree. Like, look, I think the, the best thing people can do is, is race um, quite often, you know. That, that's where you, mm. you learn um, the mental strategies. But... I mean, I'm a big believer um, in the uh, mental approach to running. Like the the day before or even the morning of, I will jog or even drive that course and look for landmarks to break up the run. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I'm not looking at it, my watch. Yeah, so know, you, you don't look at your watch at all? Feedback. No, I mean, I used to, but I've gone yeah. away from that. I mean, yeah, yeah. I'll look at it twice. Like, And it's just running to that effort. Um, and then when you are hurting, like, I'll like look up and say, right to that landmark, to there, to there, to there. And then all of a sudden you're at the end. Um, or I count down, like in my head, I'll just count down from five 
um, down to zero and then go back again. So five, four, three, two, one. Oh, you break that five, like four, that. Three, two, oh, okay. one. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, instead of like thinking like about half an hour left or, or... oh, yeah. yeah, I'm not on that pace. It's just five, four, three. Two. And then it restarts, you know, um, and that's, yeah, something that I've worked on um, in the past couple of years. And it's like, it works for me. Yeah, yeah. And what about, um, do you ever pick out runners out there? Like I said earlier, I might not know who I'm starting against. I might yeah. actually stand up and find someone very much next to me who I know, but I don't plan to. But do you, once the race starts, do you kind of pick out guys to stick with? Um, which can be a dangerous thing too, if they start to slow, slower and yet don't recognize that. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, for sure. I think I think it's good if there's a pacer. If you're running Gold Coast and um, there's an actual pacer, like stick as close to yeah, them as the you balloon. can. Yeah. But yeah, the, the danger is um, yeah falling behind someone who's off off the pace and um, yeah, that's where yeah running to effort and checking every now and then your watch. Um, can help but um i do like to find people that i know are on pace do you know what i mean like people i know yeah because um, yeah. people and like to tell you they're running faster than they will like yeah and once you get to to your pace too at the front i assume you're going to know a few guys or if not have organized to start with a few yeah mates. yeah yeah exactly so what's on your watch is it just your average pace and if you glance down to it have you got one field in there in your watch or yeah just just one field like that might change for the marathon like i think that's like that's different you've got to be aware of pacing for that but for the 10 and even the half i think like just trust the feel and trust the race yeah 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 sure um, so what, away from Gold Coast, what do you, what do you plan to do in the next, uh, year or so? Are you doing like Sunny Coast or, um, Jetty Jetty's another one coming up, um, Melbourne Marathon's popular event. Yeah. What, what's going on for Drew in the next year or so on the roads? So, uh, after Sunshine Coast, I'm going to see how I, uh, pull up. Um, take some, oh, like a week or two off. Um, and I, I'd like to run uh, a marathon or two overseas next year, just seeing what time I can get at uh, Sunshine Coast. And that will sort of um, point me in the direction of which marathon I run overseas, if it's like a Houston, a Berlin, a London. Um, yeah, that's the, that's the plan. That's your that's your debut then at Sunny Coast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What so what sort of time you reckon you can get sub two thirty? Yeah, that's a that's the plan. Um, but I think what six weeks to go until Sunshine Coast. There's still a lot of time, and I think those sessions sort of tell you where you're at. Like when I get to the two by twelve k or the four by five k, it's um, those sessions are good indicators. Yeah. So yeah, I'd like to think two thirty, but um, I don't know. Have you done one before? No, I haven't. Um, I don't yeah. plan to in the near future. We're having having a kid and 
coaching and full-time oh, job is just too hard to work in to be honest with you and i really enjoy the half um and i also argue i reckon 10k is the physically the hardest event half yeah, a bit yeah. more time it doesn't really hurt to like if you're running a good race it doesn't really hurt i reckon to like 15k whereas 10k can hurt okay. you know four or 5k in yeah 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 so yeah i'll see i'll definitely do one at some point but yeah i reckon a few years and i've got I'm touch older than yourself, but I've got a bit of time to still do a, a good one anyway in the next 10 full years, I think, when um, yeah. the son or kids, if we have another one a bit older and I may have a bit more time. Um, but So what? How, how do you manage that between, do, do you find after the half marrow you've got to recover for a week or so? Or we do a session late in the week after Gold Coast, like a Thursday session or something? Yeah, I find I need uh, a few days to recover. Um, I would say um, that by Thursday, I would probably do like a 90-minute long run or maybe a progression run and then oh, yeah. a, sa yeah. a session for Saturday. So it might be a full week before I'm back to like um, <clears throat> a session. Like I'm someone who, yeah, needs needs time to recover. Yeah, totally. The progression ones that runs are good for that, aren't they? To, to start slower and work into it and can sort yeah. of loosen up the muscles, increase that range of movement, give you the confidence yeah. back that you can get to that pace, but you're not not having to push yourself so hard after a after a race. Yeah. And just to enjoy that time yeah. after the half marathon to recover yeah. and um, enjoy things other than running for a few days. So you yeah. literally not run for a few days or will you do some cross training? Um, I'm uh, going with a mate and we're going, going to go to um, Bellingen. Like he lives at Bellingen. So we'll just, I don't know, ride some bikes. Yeah. Chill out. Yeah, I don't know if we'll hit the town now. I'm a bit old. Like, yeah, there's no hostels there. You know, like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, But yeah, I'll lay low. But yeah. Yeah, nice one. And mate, will you be there Sunday morning watching the marathon? Oh, for sure, for sure. Yeah, okay. I might might run into you if not get a hold of yeah. you. Yeah. Um, I've booked Sounds a weekend good. now, so I'll, I'll be down there. Um, yeah, so let, let's get to these uh these ten questions at the end. I normally do. This week we got a few listener questions oh. as well. I have covered one oh. from Nick Tui earlier about the shirt, so his is being cancelled. Let's have a look at them. Um, who's Josh Amberger? Oh, he's a triathlete. He said, okay, this might be something to do with you and him. What's your relationship with pain? He's asked both psychologically and physically. My relationship with pain. Um, yeah, I like it. Um, <laughs> to play some uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. Good relationship. Clay Dawson, not a question. Yeah. He, he reckons you're the nicest runner in Southeast Queensland. All right. Um, <laughs> what do you get to do with him? Clay's a friendly fella. Um, yeah, I, I remember Clay uh, in the early days, actually, when he was just getting into it. Um, again, he was one of the more approachable people on the start line. So, yeah, yeah no, it's, good it's been guy. great to see his well. journey, you know? Yeah. 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 Oh, like how he fits it all in. Like, that's what I want to know. You listen when to his I interview? Him, yeah, I did. I did. But he just seems so casual about it all. I don't know. When I have kids, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. 
Um, Chris Littlejohn, ready for this? Yeah. <laughs> He's asking about Netflix. He reckons you're a big Netflix fan. What what series do yeah. you recommend to people at the moment? Uh, look, Animal Kingdom. Oh, yeah, that's good, eh? Yeah. So season six is out. Um, uh, it's about a crime family um, led by the mother yeah. who runs like a, an armed robbery bank heist group. <laughs> In LA, yeah, I've butchered it here, but it's um, worth a look. Or the Boeing um, documentary is an interview about Boeing um, that documents like their culture and the history. Yeah, right, mate. Uh, what's your favourite running loop in Brisbane? Would it be would it be around winter, or would you go for something else, uh, anything a bit more scenic? Uh, Bunya, Bunyaville. Oh, yeah. Geez, hilly out there. Yeah, yeah. Run is good. you got to forget the pace, though, right? Yeah. You'd probably run at about 350s over those hills for a long run? Nah, five minutes. <laughs> You've seen my easy runs. <laughs> nah. Uh, mate, what's, what's the main reason you run? Why do you reckon you run at all? What motivates you to do it? Um, just to get the best out of myself. You know, um, at the end of the day, I just want to be able to say, like, yeah, I, I, I had a crack. Um, and I think also, like, the, the physical style, like, I like to run before work. It's a, a mm. great start to the day. Yep. Yeah, definitely. Oh, good one. Um, proudest running achievement? Would it be one of the early ones that I had listed out or something um, else? Yeah, 2014 was like a good year. But look, look, it just getting back to running for me, you know, mm. like I didn't think I'd be able to jog again. So, yeah, just getting, oh, as cliche as that sounds, um, getting back to running. Yeah. 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 Um, you listen to the Inside Running podcast? Uh, not for a while. Yeah. Oh, they G a guy up on there, Brad Crocker, a lot about him not racing very much, but he talks about just the enjoyment of, of running, even though he's so fast. He just, yeah, yeah. He just like just likes running for what it offers him away from racing. Um, yeah. what, if you could pick one training run these days that you enjoy the most, like for me, it's definitely a long run now. It used to be sessions, but I love long runs. What do you, which is your favorite run in the week? Um, yeah, I like the long run. Yeah, I run along uh, Hendra and Ascot, and there's oh, Hendra Ascot Clayfield, and there's quite a lot of like hills around that area. So, mm. yeah, uh, 90 minute long run around there. Yeah, sweet, cool. Uh, running idle, did you ever have one, or do you have one? Nah, um, huh? yeah, can't say. Oh, Michael Johnson, like when I was a kid growing up. Oh, like, yeah, 200, 400 guy, like, yeah, um. Yeah. yeah, absolute animal him. Um, what but what about an idol like anyone out there on the roads that you've run up against? You just like that you've seen even it could be minutes ahead of you in a in a ten or half marathon uh, that you were like, geez, I wish I had his pace or anything like that. Um Yeah, I mean I'm not envious of anybody, but it's just <laughs> great to see people's like I 
I'm happy with how I run. It's just great to see like people's progression, you know, like, um, like as of late, Kieran Perkins, like seeing him. Oh, wow. Come, yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, I can't say I know him very well. Um, had a little bit to do with him, but seeing his progression, um, but as well as that, even in our squad, you know, we've got a young guy, Riley. Um, he's on the track, you know, he's jumped down to like 351 in the 15 from like mid fours, you know. Um, What's his surname? I, um, uh, both week. Yeah. 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 So, Aaron Riley, um, even Clay. Um, particularly having kids and he's still at it, you know, those, those events, those people um, inspire me more so than, you know, the professional athletes. Yeah, no, no, good on you. It's, um, yeah, it's not something everyone has an idol. Um, almost have some reason had a feeling that you wouldn't have one, whatever that may have been, but um, yeah, it can definitely be the people around you you train with or race against. So yeah, appreciate the honesty and for the uh, entire interview, I've really appreciate you coming on here and um, yeah, I'm sure the distance culture guys will listen in some Gold Coast runners and then yeah, all the guys you've, you've uh, run up against, hopefully get, get yeah. the word and yeah, spread the word yeah. and otherwise, yeah, it'll be the, the regular listeners learning something from you, you know, if they learn one thing at least from an hour or so of talking, then I think we've both done our job and I think we, we definitely have today. We've covered a few things. So, yeah, thank you very much. Good luck for um, Saturday. And, yeah, I'm sure I'll see you out there, maybe a few rows back at the race start from you. Oh, yeah. All right. Thanks. Too easy, mate. We'll, uh, we'll be in touch. And about, yeah, Sunday as well. Right. I'll see you, see you Thanks, around. Thanks, Ollie. No see dramas. Mate. Thanks, Bye. mate.